Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball, and the MLB draft. Tonight we've got uh, Danny Reed, voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. How are you tonight, Danny? Boys, it's great to see. It's been a little bit. It has. And we also have Jay Walker, voice of the Cajuns. How are you this evening, Jay? I'm uh, I'm lovely. I, I like it when the three of us can get together and uh Danny, question this. for you. Has there ever been a time that you have described Jay as lovely? Oh, God. There's not. We'll stop that right now. Let's jump I, right I, in, I guys. Can nice. I can be really nice, but I'm going to have to think about that because I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a couple. Hey, good enough person, great guy, friend, all that good thing. Lovely. Well, lovely, I could say. Beautiful, I won't say. But then again, dude, he didn't say beautiful. Stop. All right. See there? All right. Mid-season form. Exactly. It's it's summer. We've got to figure out a, a way to do more of these. Uh, let's go back down to the 15th round. San Diego Padres uh, pick Zach Attic Atticuson? Atkinson. Atkinson from Marshall. Um, uh, I know you guys played them. Uh, let's go to you first, Danny. Your thoughts on the young man and where he's going, uh, pitcher from Marshall. In our case, Zach Adkison is the reason why Georgia Southern didn't sweep that series whenever they went up to Huntington. He was the game three guy. Eagles hit Patrick Copen pretty well, and I know we'll talk about him in a minute. They outlasted the lefty Raymond Pacella. And then Atkinson comes in. It's a heavy fastball. He went six strong. He was able to get downhill. Georgia Southern just never really got good contact him. I think they only had two hits in that entire game. Marshall jumped out early. I think they had a four-run first inning, and they won that game 8-1. I was impressed by him. And just watching him warm up, I thought that, okay, you can tell why he's their number three, but there were also flashes of, this guy's got some stuff. And for him to go, since the draft has been cut in half now, for him to go, the Padres clearly saw something that I'm sure a lot of teams did when they watched him. Did you guys play them uh, in uh, in West Virginia or in uh, Statesboro? We played them at the Kennedy Center YMCA. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that one. Danny's trying to forget about it, too. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because – Georgia Southern and Louisiana both played Marshall. And of the two guys who got drafted, one of them was good against the Cajuns. The other one was good against Georgia Southern. Yeah. Uh, the Cajuns hit Adkison um, pretty well. Now I'm with you. You know, I, I thought he had, I thought he had pretty good size. Um, and, you know, I liked his velocity. I think he had more strikeouts than innings pitched, but uh, we treated him pretty rudely that day. I um, didn't expect to see his name come up, to be honest with you. Uh, and But the, the Padres obviously see something in him that I didn't see. But, of course, you know, you and I see him one time, and after that we got to look at numbers. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, good for him. Uh, but because I did see some flashes, even though the Cajuns hit him pretty good, I did see some flashes of some good velocity and a little bite in the breaking ball. Going now to the 14th round, uh, Houston Astros, uh, Jackson Azu, 
uh, Jay, I mean, obviously you saw Jackson a lot this year. Uh, I, I think for me, our, our coaching staff and our pitching coach specifically, Seth Thibodeau doesn't give, get enough credit this season for what he did with the pitching staff. And it's uh, especially Jackson there. Nezu is a guy that they identified to be a weekend starter from the very beginning. Uh, he did not have good numbers at Florida State. And he came in and was pretty much labeled the Sunday guy at the beginning of the season. And, you know, after three or four starts, his ERA was around 13. But we saw him get better as the season went on. And once he got on top of his fastball, which, you know, which, which was like 90 at its best, 92 to 94, um, he could he could get that fastball up in the zone and get it by people. And he just became a, a very, very good pitcher. And honestly, maybe a month or five weeks before the season ended, if you would have asked me, would Nezu get drafted? I would have said no. But the last month plus, and then the conference tournament, by the time you get to Miami, when he goes out to pitch against Texas, you know, the scouts now are everywhere. And uh, they have been paying attention to him now for about a month. And uh, when, when we left Miami, I said, okay, we're going to, we're, we're not going to hang on to him. Uh, and sure enough, you know, he goes in the, uh, in the 14th round of Houston. Danny, your thoughts on uh, Jackson? I know uh, probably didn't get to see him a whole lot because playing at the same time. Oh, didn't see him this year, but I think we talked before on these that when Georgia Southern played Florida State last year in Tallahassee, it was a midweek game before they went to Mobile. He was a starting pitcher, and Georgia Southern got to him a little bit, and there were some flirtations with him in the weekend rotation, but it was – one of those spots, with it happens with so many guys, there was something missing. He, there was a reason why he couldn't stick. And I think we saw at the end of the season why Florida State liked him so much and why the attention got to be to a point where, like Jay just said, you might get him back, but it's looking more and more that this is a one-year deal. Appreciate what he did for the program, but now he's got to go – now he's got a chance to go play pro. And, and when you're in the same organization as Eric Getty, maybe that's somebody that could help mentor him a little bit. Yeah, it was, it was fun to watch him mature throughout the season. And I don't think his numbers, even though the ERA at the beginning of the season was high, uh, don't think that was uh, – and he, even at the end of the season, I still think he ended up with a five or six ERA. But a lot of that came from early on. And uh, it was fun to watch him pitch, especially – at the end. Uh, moving to the 14th round and uh, James Madison's pitcher, and I am sure I am about to butcher this young man's name. It's Joe Vogatsky. And now I've kept you from embarrassing yourself. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Jay, Jay that was lovely of you to do that. Yeah. Uh, that's what friends are for as uh What's her name? Dion Warwick. Dion Warwick, yes. Stick with me. I'll teach you a lot of stuff. Oh, gosh. All right. Moving on to Joe. Uh, Jay. Okay. First of all, I've tried to forget that entire weekend. I understand. I've just tried to forget it. I remember Vogotsky 
going into the series. I, you know, you, you look and his in his numbers are are good, and you know he's one of their at the time one of their guys coming out of the pen that they really really rely on. And he pitched, I want to say, in game one, and he didn't last very long. Um, in fact, I don't, I don't think he made it through an inning. Uh, Cajuns handled him well, but I can't comment a whole lot about him because he didn't face too many hitters before you knew. I mean, he was there and then he was gone. Danny, how about yourself with Georgia Southern? Uh, did you did you guys travel there or were they playing in Statesboro? No, that was the final series of the season where JMU was trying to stay in the top six. Georgia Southern needed a lot to happen to get into the top six. They took two out of three, and that's one that I was impressed by because I thought JMU was pretty solid. They were one of the programs that, of the four coming in, they didn't have a great baseball track record, had some individual guys, but the thought was that they were really going to struggle in year one and be down towards the bottom of the league. But Marlon Eikenberry has been in it for a long time. I think he's an outstanding coach. I think he did a hell of a job with that team. And Vogotsky is an application of that. Georgia Southern saw him twice. He got the save in game two of that series. It was actually game two of a doubleheader in that final weekend. And then he pitched in game three. But in between the second and third games of the series, I remember going into the clubhouse that they always get the pregame interview with Rodney Hennon but running into a couple of the players and Georgia Southern's analytics guy, Justin Roberts. And they said, what do you think of Bogotsky? And I thought, well, looked all right. Cause you know, he's got that leg drive. He was an older style pitcher. He gets, you can tell by the picture we're looking at, he gets really low balls kind of behind his head. And then it just appears. And the word that they all just kept saying, he was dirty. The fastball was up to 96. Couldn't really pick up the spin on the slider. Even if you were a lefty, it, it just, it got on you so fast. And when guys over the course of a baseball season, you see so many guys, so many pitches, so many games. When someone really stands out, then you know that, all right, he, he was probably real deal. Also in the 14th round, uh, App State, uh, Xander Hamilton. Uh, let's start off with you this time, Danny. Your thoughts on Mr. Hamilton. Yeah, he came to Statesboro and he was he was good. Granted, he was good against Georgia Southern up in Boone the year before, but the Eagles ended up rallying back to win that game. This year, Ab jumped Ty Fisher in that game and Hamilton. I don't know if he was his best, but he ended up striking out nine over six innings, and Georgia Southern had a couple of chances. He pitched around some things. It's it's a build of a guy that can eat some innings, but there's some athleticism. I think he could probably relieve, too, if they wanted to maybe add a couple of miles per hour to the fastball. But I thought the slider, which is his best pitch, I think it was still really good, but I was impressed by his fastball. I thought his fastball got a lot better from 22 as opposed to what it was because before he was 65% slider, and even if you knew it, you weren't hitting it. But I was really impressed by how his fastball developed. Okay. You know, Appalachian State, since they joined the league, have had three arms that I have been really, really impressed with. The first year they were in the league, they had a guy named Taylor Thurber. He's a right-hander. Um, and I think he was four and nine or something like that, but he was an all-conference pitcher. 
because uh, he gave him a chance to win every time he beat the Cajuns, as a matter of fact. And I, I remember asking uh, Tony Robichaud after the game about Thurber. And he said, let me tell you, that kid could pitch for me. Um, he didn't throw very hard, but he didn't throw anything straight. And he made you beat the ball into the ground. Then before he got hurt, Tyler Tuthill, their left-hander, was really, really good. And um, But Appalachian State really didn't have anything to support them with. Those guys were good, but you knew they weren't going to be professional pitchers. All right. They just, and, and, and Tuthill has another year of eligibility, but I, I don't think that guy's going to play professionally. But he was the kind of college pitcher that could get you out. This guy is legit. Hamilton impressed me so much. He cut the Cajuns up on Friday night, and it's early in the conference season. And as you know, Russo Park's not the easiest place to come in. And he just came in and dominated the Cajuns that night. Was not surprised he got drafted. A little surprised he didn't go a little higher. This question is kind of off base here, but 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 for both of you, uh, and you first day, I, I just think App State, because they're really not known as a baseball school. The Cajuns have struggled with them a little bit. I mean, is that is? I mean, how much of that is a surprise, and how much of it is? Uh... After the first couple of years, App State was at least competitive, and you know they they usually had enough pitching to get through one game. For a while, their biggest problem was they couldn't hit the ball. I couldn't score runs. Um, but the Cajuns haven't jumped on them very, very often. And I'll tell you, this past year, I, you know, it was, it was uh, Kermit Smith's best team so far. It's the best App State team they've had since they joined the league. And um, I, I was really impressed with their ball club this year because they – they were able to to hit a lot deeper into the lineup than they had in the past. And while, and then you got a guy like Hamilton and after that, they didn't have a lot, but they had a guy give them a couple innings here and a couple innings there. They were able to piece a lot of stuff together. They were a tough out last year. Danny, uh, App State is not going to be a team that the Cajuns will see every year, but because you're in the East, they, uh, Georgia Southern will, you, your just thoughts on, uh, and you probably seen App State a long, uh, longer than we have. But your thoughts on App State and the program? You know, on the flip side of that, Georgia Southern actually has kind of dominated that series. In fact, when App won that first game in Statesboro because of Hamilton, that was the first time they had won a game one against Georgia Southern in almost a decade. Have not won a series since 2013. Eagles have won the last nine series. It's been pretty one-sided. A lot of those have been sweeps. But we have talked before that even though App did not have a whole lot of pitching depth, that it's something that they seem to always struggle with, the primary arms were good. Offensively, though, they finally, finally under Kermit Smith, had an identity. And it was different because while you expected Luke Drumheller to be the guy he might have been the second or third guy in that lineup the way things shook out at the end of the year and they were they were within a sniff of backdooring their way into a tournament championship game and they were right to extend Kermit Smith considering of how bad the program was when he took over it has been a slow climb 
But as we just found out, it's been a steady climb, and they've continually gotten better. It's taken a while, but they are now not just a team you can bank on winning a series against if they just if they continue to go from here. The the thing that impressed me the most is that their lineup was a lot deeper this year. Uh, yeah. You know, it, you'd, you'd, you'd get through the first four and you were okay, and then it was the first five and you were okay. But uh, they were pretty good one through nine. Good deal. Moving on to round 13 with uh, St. Louis Cardinals, Jay. William Sullivan, any surprise there from you? Uh, the only surprise is that he went in the 13th round. I thought he was a top 10 pick. Okay. Um, you know, a first baseman that's uh, about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, uh, with a really sweet swing from the left side with some pop. Good uh, defensive first baseman. Um, I just liked his stroke when we saw them in the three-game series uh, in Lafayette, and, and it wasn't the first time that we've seen him do it. I like William Sullivan a lot. I'm really surprised he didn't go in the top 10 rounds. Danny, for you? He's got a lot going for him because he played his career in a ballpark where it is highly beneficial to lefties. But even so, he was able to bash the ball on the road. He hit really well in Statesboro when Troy came in 2022. Jay mentioned the physicality on base machine because he gets hit a lot. Now that might be a concern for some teams because there's a higher threat for injury, but it's clear that even though he's somebody that's going to give you some home run pop, he just knows how to get on base. Eight picks before that, uh, Jeremy Lee. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Jeremy Lee is a guy that uh, his freshman year coming out, starting, you, you thought might be a top five, top 10 pick. Uh, as far as rounds, not top five in the draft, I don't think, but uh, uh, was not himself after a couple injuries and everything. Any surprise there uh, at, at all with Jeremy Lee from South Alabama, Jay? You know, I, Jeremy Lee to me is is almost a tragic story. All right, because when he came to South Alabama as a freshman, that sucker was really, really really good and uh, you know then he had several injuries and this past season wasn't very effective at all when you get right down to it um but the twins are seeing something and and my belief is they think they can get him healthy and that if they do get him healthy, then then they've got something. I was a little surprised, to be honest with you, to to see his name pop up at all because of all the injuries that he's had. But um, but evidently the 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 twins think they can get him healthy, and if so, you know maybe maybe it's going to wind up paying dividends for him. But I this is the one one get well. I don't actually there are a couple of others, but the, the one of the guys that. I was kind of surprised to see their name come up at all. Danny, for me, Jeremy Lee is a story that you got you got to pull for the guy just because of his injuries and everything. But I agree with Jay. I think it's a little surprising that he goes in the uh, the 13th round. And it may be one of those things where it's a money thing. They feel like they could have signed him uh, for less money to put the money somewhere else. But your thoughts, so after watching Lee the last couple of years. 
of the 20 picks that the Sun Belt had this year, this one may have made me the happiest because yes, he got hurt in Statesboro his freshman year. So that night when we saw the numbers and we knew what the matchup was going to be, it was going to be Jeremy Lee against Tyler Owens in 2021. It was going to be the matchup because Georgia Southern and South were battling for one, two in the league that year. And something wasn't right from the beginning of the game. Come to realize his fastball velocity was down about five to eight miles per hour. His curveball, which is a big league curveball when it's right, everybody in the league would agree with that. It wasn't there. And really ever since then, it's been a, I can't play very much. If I am, it's very inconsistent, but he had times this year where it was the guy, I mean, he threw a, threw a shot on against Jacksonville state right before South Alabama came to States, bro. But and, and JT and I talked about this. It, it was a little bit eerie because he was pitching back on the same mound where his career changed two years ago. And we've talked about the same thing with Jojo Booker. Jojo Booker was a huge prospect in high school. He got hurt in Statesboro. He tore up his elbow, missed the rest of the season. So I don't know what about that has happened. Okay. Well, we're on the schedule. We're not coming. Yeah. <laughs> That's the trick. But to, to see him – one, be good enough for that team. I know they didn't make the tournament, which was still – that was – I don't know if I'll ever come to grips with the fact that South Alabama baseball didn't qualify for the Sunbelt tournament. But the fact that he got drafted, that he's he's going to – he's getting a chance because people clearly see that there's something if he's healthy. Yep. I'm, I'm um, you know, I think we're unanimous in saying we're going to be rooting for that kid. Yeah, that, that's one person that I want to see succeed. Uh, by all accounts, a great young man. So, um, very, very, uh, very much pulling for him. Danny, uh, just to pick earlier, uh, Sam Armstrong from Old Dominion went to uh, to the Cubs. Which uh, I'm sorry he had to go to the Cubs, but uh, somebody <laughs> I guess has to. So, I'm a Reds fan. I hate the Cubs. I'm not. I'll make no bones about it. I, I hope they fall off the end of the earth. Yeah, you do seem a little bit happier right now as a Reds fan. You're not used to all this success. Excuse me? I mean, we have how many World Series titles, and you're telling me I'm not used to success? Yeah, it's only been 33 years since you've had one. And the only team still to go wire to wire in first place in Major League Baseball history. But that's okay. Yeah, because it was 33 years ago. That's okay. But it had never been done before that. So... But goody, Danny, goody, goody. Oh, well, well, I thought the Tigers did that. No, and w- was that when uh, Sparky was there? Yeah, I thought because the Tigers got they were twenty four and five, or they were they got to a ridiculous start. Nobody could catch them. Willie Hernandez double dip that year. They won. I thought that they did it first. I don't think so, but uh, if it had to happen, it's because you know the Red Skipper went to the Tigers. So, but we're. That doesn't fit my narrative, Danny. Stop blowing my talking points here. <laughs> There'll be no more fun for you. Let's talk about Sam Armstrong. We're not talking about the Reds or the Cubs or the Pirates that are in last place, but that's besides the point. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you on that last part. But Sam Armstrong, very physical. He pitched in states, bro. He was the game two starter. Everybody coming into the year thought that Blake Morgan was going to be the guy because he had a 
for lack of a better word, a ridiculous freshman season where he didn't lose and nobody could figure out how to hit him. He battled some injury problems this year. In his One of his better starts to that point was in Statesboro, but Old Dominion jumped Georgia Southern that night. They jumped him in game two, which is why Armstrong won that game. He's intimidating. He's one of the guys that when he's on the mound and you have to look back at him, you almost expect him to throw a certain way by the way that he looks. And the expectation matched up with the reality. He's got he's he's good stuff. Jay, I know you didn't get to see him play, but well, I well I do I do know this. Armstrong gave Old Dominion a chance to win when he went out there, and and he didn't win all the time, um, but he was the starting pitcher that gave them their best chance to win on the weekend, and. Uh, you know, you look at him and then you read some numbers on him. I mean, he's a big boy. Um, his body, his body is filled out and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we, we didn't get to see him, but I'll tell you just physically, just looking at pictures. I, I, I like the way he looks. And I will stand corrected here. And not only will I stand corrected, but I was horrendously wrong due to the fact that the 1927 New York Yankees went wire to wire. The 1955 Brooklyn Dodgers went wire to wire. The 1984 Detroit Tigers, the 1990 Cincinnati Reds, and the 2005 Chicago White Sox all went wire to wire. So I do stand corrected, but it doesn't matter because the Reds are still the premier franchise out of all these teams. Okay, thanks for sharing. Well, you, you could have just asked Jay what the 27 Yankees were like. Yeah, I know. I mean, he was probably sitting there in the stands. <laughs> I was. You know, I grew up in the Northeast. Yes. <laughs> All right. 13th round. I called it the house that Ruth built. <laughs> three. <laughs> three. Three picks earlier. Uh, the Florida Marlins. Are they Florida? <laughs> They're Miami now. Oh, Miami. Miami Marlins. Sorry. Good game there. Yes, we did. I went to two games there, actually, uh, this year. Uh, actually, I've been there three times, but I, I was in the old Joe Robbie Stadium for the first time I was there. But that's not what we're talking about. Uh, Colson Lawrence, South Alabama, with the 13th round with a 383rd pick. Danny, your thoughts on the young man? Uh, just there for the one year, but – uh, I, I feel like anytime we talk about a Jaguar, it's what didn't happen because we didn't see them in Montgomery. Physical guy had some pop in that lineup, and that was a Jaguar team that I know that they've slipped the last few years. Very atypical of a Mark Calvey team, which gives everybody headaches for how they seem to always have the best defense, always get outs. Always get the two-out hit and the two-out run. They just didn't do it last year, and they really didn't do it the year before. But for Lawrence, you look at what him and and I I still think Will Turner is one of the best players in the league. I think he is an outstanding talent, and I think he's going to have a chance to make a lot of money next year. But with Lawrence, good for him for standing out on a group that wasn't able to get to the postseason. And th that's the one thing about the transfer is you feel like you get a chance to know a guy and see a guy, but then if you hear your name called, 
then you're just as likely to go ahead and turn pro, rightfully so. But for the little bit that we had a chance to see him, he was a fit, and he was a Jaguar, a Mark Calby Jaguar. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you, you brought that up about the two out hits because two years ago, uh, or I guess technically three seasons ago, uh, uh, South Alabama was playing in a championship of a regional, and in the two outs part of it played huge because they were only batting about 230, 240 as a team, but over, well over 300, almost 400 with two outs. So, Jay, though, uh, Colson Lawrence. Well, first of all, let me echo what Danny said. You know, South Alabama is South Alabama, and they've been South Alabama forever. And um, it was it was bizarre to have a conference tournament and not have them there. I, um, you know, I probably always want to see us beat South Alabama more than any team in the league, but that's because of the, the history. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be, you know, be a part of that history for over 30 years. Um, I, it, it was just weird. It was just weird to have a conference tournament in South Alabama and not be there. I want to beat them all the time, but I really have a lot of respect for the history of that program. Um, you know, Colson Lawrence, I, I, it, it finally clicked. Okay. But when, when it came up, Colson Lawrence, South, my first reaction was who I didn't remember him. And then I started thinking, started thinking, started thinking. I said, okay, now I remember the guy. Um, Really swung the bat well, uh, you know, hit in the middle of the lineup, could hit with power. He was a two-way guy for him. He pitched some for him as well. Yeah. And he came in in relief in, it might have been the 22-5 to game or it might have been the game before, but we saw him in relief as a pitcher as well uh, as a guy uh, in the lineup. He, um, but, you know, they're, they're not drafting him to pitch. Uh, but they're drafting him because he's he's got some pop on the from the right side and and a body that I think projects. Another South Alabama uh, young man, and this will, the I believe is the third and final uh, South Alabama player that was chosen in the draft draft ugh, in the twelfth round by Arizona, Sam Knowlton. Jay, Sam Knowlton. Um, you know, I think the reason he's gotten in the 12th round is, is he's hit, he's hit a hundred. Um, is and that the big young man that came in and only pitched one inning correct. and then just correct disappeared. Yeah. He, um, but he can get it up there. 98 to 101 um, was a, was a one inning guy. Cause he's a one pitch guy. Uh, he can throw really, really hard. Doesn't really, uh, didn't really show much of anything else and couldn't always throw it for a strike. But when you're 98 to 101, somebody's going to grab you. And uh, and toward the end of the year, Knowlton got better. He wound up starting for him, never really went more than a couple of innings, uh, but was able to get him off to a good start a few times. Uh, his percentage of strike throws went up. and um, But like I said, 98 to 101, guess what's going to happen? You can't teach that. Danny, uh, did you guys get to – did you see him much? He didn't pitch that weekend. He was supposed to, and I told JT because he didn't pitch the first two games. I said, where's Knowlton? Because 
saw him in the tournament in 21 when he comes in. He only, he only threw a little bit that year, but he came in the tournament game and he's popping 97, 90 and thinking, hell is this guy? And the, I'm seeing he's throwing 102 earlier in the year. He's starting to develop the slider and it's okay. I got to see this guy. He warmed up a couple of times. He never came in. And even JT was pretty caught off guard by that. But like Jay mentioned, he was starting at one point as, you know, Mark Calvi's pretty unconventional with his pitching. He'll plug in guys wherever, but they had some injuries. They had some guys really suffer once conference play started. But when Knowlton goes to the mound, the radar guns go up and the eyes don't blink because you just want to say that you saw someone throw that hard because you may never get a chance to see it. I know we're in the high velocity era now, and it's a lot more common for somebody to be in that area. But when you see one zero zero, you don't forget one zero zero because it really doesn't happen that often. The fact that he has dealt with injuries as long as he has is the reason why he's in the 12th, because if he developed the way that Mississippi state thought, and the way that South was hoping, this is a top five round guy, and there's no no real bones about that. Oh, I I agree absolutely. I was I was shocked though. He, even though I I agree, he only has he only has one uh, pitch. I was I was still a little shocked that he, he only won one inning with the number of batters he had faced against the Cajuns. Uh, big young man. Except uh, the only downside for him is that. He wears his pants above his knees, which looks totally ridiculous. And people ought to be executed as soon as they walk on the field with their pants above their knees. So this is a good time, I think, to take a quick break. And then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about what's going on. Um, trying to figure out how to work the controls since we're right here. But I've got it. We'll be back. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking baseball. Sunbelt Conference Baseball and the MLB Draft. Welcome back in to We're Talking. We're talking baseball. Sunbelt Conference Baseball and the MLB Draft. Danny, uh, Matthew Etzel, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing his name right, 10th round by the uh, Baltimore Orioles. You know, and I know the Southern Miss people are going to hate me for saying this, but if you look at the uniform with the black and gold and everything, uh, in in his beard in this picture, he looks like he can be a mountain man and play for App State. But hell of a baseball player. D1 baseball called him one of the top junior college guys going to D1 in the country, not just in the Sun Belt. I, I think that there's some swing and miss for a, a leadoff guy that's troubling. I don't know that he sticks at leadoff. But for somebody to hit where he did, great defensively, big body, ran really well. I, I was I was pretty impressed by him. I, I, there, there's a lot that he does well, and if he cuts down on the swing and miss, I think that he gets even better. Yeah, yeah I think the young man hit a grand slam against us. And, he did. He did. And uh, you know, I I got to tell you, he was a great find uh, for Southern Miss. He locks down up the middle defense with his play in center field. He can run. Um, he, uh, he solidified their leadoff spot. I agree with you, Danny, in that there's, there's some swing and miss to the kid that he's going to have to get better at. But I, I was so impressed with him. Uh, I was not surprised he was a top 10 rounds guy. Um, 
he he's just he, dude can play. He can just play. And um I a lot of a lot of respect for Retzel. Absolutely. Uh ninth round, Baltimore Orioles, Zach Fruit, uh Jay from Troy. Big bodied kid. We saw him um for a couple of innings in the in the series in Lafayette. He was very effective. Um I don't think he was used like a guy who was a top 10 round pick, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Absolutely does. Um, agree with that. But, but he, but no, I mean, he's got, got a nice body and he threw well against us. I liked his breaking ball, uh, a good ball player, but if he's a top 10 round pick, I got to believe maybe he should have pitched more innings. Danny, your thoughts on Mr. Zach fruit. And, and especially since with Troy, no Garrett Gaines this year, Brady Fuller got hurt. So they were a mishmash in the weekend, but because their offense was so good, they were able to mask some of that maybe lack of starting depth, even though they could, I think him and Ben Thompson were interchangeable guys that could go three or four whenever you needed. Both were high nineties guys. Both were transfers. At least fruit had the D one experience at Eastern Michigan. It because we I had a tough time separating the two because I think that they're really similar, but good on fruit for going in the top 10 rounds. And for a Baltimore franchise that has finally started to build its farm system and they're seeing success at the big league level, there's potential that he's going to have a chance to throw to Adley Rutschman, who is quickly becoming one of the best catchers in the entire game, not just young catchers. This is a good situation for him. I like this. Absolutely. Uh, Jay, Nicholas Judy's uh, eighth round to the, the Yankees, uh, not a guy that pitched a lot early on in the season. Was it this another guy that was, well, to say misused? No, I, I don't know if misused is, is the, the right term. Early in the season, and in fact, through about two thirds of the season, they had him as the back end guy in the bullpen. Um, mm -hmm. The problem with that was, a lot of times by the time he got into the game, the game was out of hand because, you know, ULM's starting pitching uh, was, was shaky. And it was the weekend that they played the Cajuns that they decided he was going to be a starter. And that's probably where he should have been. The good news for Judice is that cut down on the number of innings he had to throw. So that that's going to work in his favor, but I'll tell you when when we saw him, um, you know he's a big guy. He's six six. Uh, he throws hard. I was really really impressed with him, and um, but he's another guy that because of ULM's makeup, I'm not sure that the back end of the bullpen was was the place for him. But Danny. Am I wrong? Is that the guy you got to walk off slam against? Yeah, he went two innings and then ULM was up six to three going into or six to four, I'm sorry, going into the ninth. And I was fully expecting to see Carson Orton. Hammond and I had spoken before the game because we know that Orton is their closer. And the funny thing about that is Mike Federico was suspended for that game because he had gotten tossed that Tuesday at home and the memo had just gone out to the league's coaches where 
if you get tossed, you're missing the next game. He did. He had to sit the Friday game. Maybe if he's there, maybe it is Orton in the ninth inning, but they opted to stick with Judice. Noah Ledford hits the walk-off. That was Georgia Southern's only walk-off of the entire season. But and I, and I said that Jeremy Lee getting picked was the one that I was happiest about. This is the second most because, like you, I, I was really impressed by him. And ULM is never going to be given credit for how good the top arms in their bullpen was last year. I know that they had a really tough season, but their top three or four arms out of the bullpen, pretty good but never got a chance to see it because always playing from behind so much. But with Judice, you got to love the body. You know that the Yankees love to be showy. You know that they love guys like this. I think it's a really good fit for him. He's got the low to mid-90s fastball. He's got the slider. And if they give him the opportunity as a starter, I think that this is somebody that gets to the big leagues. I really do. Well, best of luck to him. Uh, it, it's been uh, it's been fun to watch some of some of these young men how they mature. And speaking of which, Jay, in the eighth round, the Texas Rangers uh, picked Julian Brock. I think he's going to go down as one of the best teammates ever to wear the red and white. He's. Um, he he was that kind of kid from the first day that he stepped on campus. Uh, you can't take the smile off his face, no matter what you do. And he was a guy who was always supportive, even when he wasn't playing. And it was great to see. Tony used to say it, the game will pay you back. And I think that the game has paid Julian back in a big way. And he, um, from the beginning of uh, from mid midway through his redshirt sophomore season through this past year. Uh, he was a, a middle of the middle of the lineup guy. He was an RBI machine this year. Uh, he um, his swing projects to the next level. I think the, the, the word on Julian, he probably needs to get a little bit better defensively, especially his catch and release time, but he is um He's one of the nicest young men ever to come through this program. And, um, you know, Craig, you know, we know the family very well uh, and couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of people. Uh, that's, but, but don't make any mistake. This kid has earned what he's gotten. And um, he's the poster child for work while you wait, as far as this Cajun program is concerned. Yeah, I was going to say there there was nothing given to him. He he learned. He was one of Tony's recruits. Uh, came here anyway. Uh, Coach Robe was worried about him getting drafted out of high school. Uh, a, a fine young man that uh, I'm proud to say was a Cajun. Danny, did you get an opportunity to uh, to watch uh, Julian live at any time of the last two seasons? I have two specific memories of Julian Brock from that series at Teague Field. Game three, on a 3-0 pitch, he hit a home run to the opposite field. And one, it was on a 3-0 pitch. But two, the way the ball got out of there as quickly as it did, there was twitch and there was – that was a next-level home run. 
the, the game was out of the one in the balance. It was just one of those where it was impressive. But earlier in that series, it was the, there were two outs in an inning and there was a ball on the turf. Jason Swan took off for third and not great speed, but one of Georgia Southern's better runners. And it looked like he was going to have the bag easily. Brock's time from the ball leaving his hand to getting to third was a whoa. And Swan was out by, I don't even know if he should have slid. It, it was because you never want to make the last out of the inning at third base. He thought he was going to get the bag because, you know, bounced away from him, but it wasn't even close. And those two probably tell you the kind of guy that Julian Brock can be at the next level when consistency comes into play. And I, th I think the arm is one of the strongest I've ever seen for a catcher in the Sun Belt. Even if his catch and release might be a little bit slow, he can make up with it for the arm strength because it is a rocket behind the plate. And I do say that having seen a lot of catchers at a lot of different levels. And I think offensively, he did improve mightily. And you know that there is some power in that swing because I know that having followed you guys on social this year, didn't get a chance to play each other. Quite a few home runs, at least 400 feet. Being that he goes to a Rangers organization, which a lot like the Orioles, farm system is getting better. Rangers are having a good season. And who knows, maybe he gets a chance to be fast-tracked. I know they got Jonah Heim at the big league level, and he's one of the best in the game and making balls become strikes. But at the same time, you get mentored by him. This is, this is something that can be really good for him. Yeah, for a Texas kid, uh, being from Texas and playing for the Rangers and being able to stay in Texas, even in the farm system, I think is is awesome for him and for his family. And uh, the picture the picture we are looking at right now has got to be one of the finest Cajun uniforms of all time, in my opinion. And I will leave it there, and we'll move on to the next one before somebody gets an opportunity to disagree with me, because you would be wrong if you disagree with me. Uh, Dustin Dickerson, just uh, two spots earlier to Kansas City, and we're going to get to a guy later on with Kansas City. Uh, but the point being, I was I'm on to make here is that Kansas City likes to draft up the middle guys, and uh, I think Dickerson is one of the the better guys in the league uh, uh, this year. Jay Southern Miss uh, shortstop there. What what's your thoughts? Well, first of all, he plays with fu. Okay, yes. he does. I he's without he, a doubt. He is he is just one of those dudes, man. Um when when you look at attitude and leadership, and he reminds me a lot of Alex Bregman uh when he was at LSU and and in his early days with Houston. Um he showed a lot of pop in his bat late in the season, but He's going to swing and miss some, but he's got some pop. I think if the, you know, if he's going to stay at shortstop, he's got to get better defensively. I think, um, because while he was, he showed good range and was capable of making really good plays. He also was good at, at kicking a routine play from time to time. Yeah. And, uh, I think that needs to get more consistent, but I'll tell you, I, there's just something about that dude that you look at him and you say, okay, that that's a dude right there. And, and, and I think the way he plays the game elevates him. 
Danny Dickerson is one of those kids, young men, I'm sorry, young men to me that if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you're going the whole time. Yeah, I, I would liken him to the way I would imagine that Jesse Sherrill made opposing teams feel for the last two yes. years. I yes. love the fact that he was on their team, but you hated playing him. Dickerson was probably loved by Hattiesburg, but nowhere else. You probably respected him for the numbers. Georgia Southern's perspective is a little different because he was right in the middle of the fracas that happened in game one of that series where there was the benches clearing situation that the Eagles ended up having to have 27 guys serve a one-game suspension throughout the season. He was right in the middle of that. Dickerson never got tossed, even though he should have been. Jay mentioned his power surge late in the season. He only had, I think, four home runs going into the postseason, but he had one of those against Georgia Southern. Quick bat, was able to get to an inside fastball against Ben Johnson. And like Jay mentioned, he can make the great play, the flashy play, but the Adam ball is almost like he's allergic to it. The, the one that's coming right at him, two hopper that should be end of the inning or a double play, that's the one where because there's not the potential to have it show up on social media, it's – I'm not going to say it's not as important, but it's it's not a play that's as easily made. Now, that it's not to say that he is a supremely talented guy, but I think that the game has a way of policing itself, and all three of us would agree with that. And for someone whose dad coaches at the big league level, he went to a World Series last year when his dad was with the Phillies, so he had a chance to watch the World Series last year. Hmm. He's going to learn that being a pro is a very dedicated thing, not just when cameras are on and when you have to do it. It's all the time. I think that he absolutely has the talent to get as far as he wants to, but that'll be a little bit of a work in progress. I think that the Royals will do right by him, but I, I do think that they are, there is some work to do to get him to where he wants to go. Absolutely. Seventh round uh, to the Dodgers, Jay. Well, we'll go to you. I was going to go to Danny, but now that I realize uh, it's the Dodgers, uh, Patrick Copen with Marshall pitcher, which who I thought, uh, Pitched well against the Cajuns on Friday night, but wasn't dominating, I guess. No, I, I, I didn't think he was all that good, to be honest with you. Um, he went deep into counts. His pitch count got up early in the game. He wound up giving five, give, giving up five runs, three earned, but his, his, it, it was not one of his better outings. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, Copen made his headlines when he went out and just stuck it to Old Dominion early in the conference season. I mean, just went out and thoroughly dominated. He was two and nine. So you're you're sitting here. You've got Copen taken in the seventh round, and he's got you know he's a big body. He's six six. He's got really good velocity. You got him and Adkison taken in the top fifteen rounds of the draft. This is a team that won five conference games five with two top 15 round pitchers my god how bad were they and the answer is they were bad yeah they were, they were bad danny how how much is is this uh projects i guess big body uh big arm at times how much well, of this 
I mean, what did you guys see? This, this, was, this was somebody I was really excited to watch, 6'6", right-hander. You knew that he was a draft prospect, but like Jay, you saw what he did against Old Dominion in Norfolk, eight innings, one run. Oh, okay. So there's something to this. When he's at his best, it's a mid-90s fastball. The day that Georgia Southern played Marshall, he was 91-92. The, the velo was down a little bit. And the Eagles' scout was take the high fastball. And fortunately, early, they did. They got an eight-run second inning. It knocked him out of the game. That was the game that Georgia Southern won 16-4. to When he's on, it's a lookout, but... I think mechanically there might be some things that need to get smooth. I think that he absolutely will get every chance to do that. And in that organization that values big arms, he's going to get every chance to do whatever he wants to. But I think that mechanically he needs to smooth them sing, smooth some things out. And maybe not I, – I think he was a little bit predictable at times because people were gearing up and maybe the lack of consistency with the secondary allowed teams to find the success where maybe the scouting report would say, if you got behind 0-2, you were probably finished. I don't know if this is the case, but I'm asking this. Uh, is this something that you think if he's not asked to do as much, does he, does he become better at his craft? Danny. I, I guess you could say so, but with him, I don't know that – God, it's, for a guy that can throw 95 easily, it's easy to say that, oh, you put him in the bullpen, it's going to go up a couple miles per hour if you're only facing six batters. I just – for me, he's a starter. He looks like a starter. I, I, I think he sticks in a, in a rotation somewhere. I agree. Okay. I said just questions talking with some baseball minds here. So seventh round, uh, Baltimore Orioles take uh, Teddy Sharkey from Coastal Carolina, Danny. Uh, uh, I, uh, the well, question. I, I hope that didn't hurt. Well, the reason I, I'm kind of hesitating, because I want to make sure that's the only guy that's drafted on a team that hosted a regional. And I don't know if that's because the rest of their guys are younger or what goes there, but your thoughts on Sharky? I was a little surprised by this. And look, I know the next guy we're going to talk about is another reliever, but he's also a lefty. Sharky's good, but this seemed high to me. He's got the stuff. Maybe part of it is because when he pitched against Georgia Southern in that series in Conway, he wasn't very good. I mean, fastball's 95, 96. There's not much of an issue there. To me, the, this seemed a little bit high. All right. Jay? You know, I, I, I tend to agree with Danny. Um, Lots of agreeing going on here. Well, you know, oh. I, I think I think the thing with Sharkey is, in the Sun Belt Conference, he was a Buffalo, okay? He was a guy that was going to come in, and more often than not, he was going to get you out, or he was going to make you get yourself out. Um, and he had the good life fastball. And at the same time, I know when the, the, the times the Cajuns have, uh, saw him both in 
the regular season in, in the tournament, he was not a guy who came in and overpowered everybody and struck a bunch of people out. But what he did was he got you out. And I, I think in our league that played for something, although there, there were times he was dominant, there were times he wasn't all that good. I mean, he, he had some consistency problems, especially early in the season. I don't know how he projects to the next level. I just know when he was good in our league, he was as good as anybody in our league at the end of the game. Fair enough. Danny, did I ask you this already? Yes, you did. I did. So, and that's because when you, and I knew that because you had said the next guy we're going to talk about. So we're going to go back to the Miami Marlins who uh, quite honestly uh, as, has a beautiful ballpark there in Miami. If you get an opportunity to go there, go to the game. It's, it's a great venue. But Southern Miss, Justin Storm in the seventh round with the 203rd pick. Your thoughts on Justin? Danny, sorry. It's tough to not fall in love with a lefty reliever that's 6'7", that throws as hard as he does. And his performance late in the season is why this is happening. He, he pitched himself into this. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, yep, that's that's exactly right. You know, the, the only the only thing about Justin Storm is his throwing strikes consistently. Um, he's six seven. He's got great velo. He's got great makeup. Um, when he is consistently throwing strikes, he's as filthy as it gets. I um, you know, he projects very well because of his size. Um. He's just got to be, he just got to be a more consistent strike thrower. Uh, and if that happens, he's a guy that you could see pitching the major leagues, I think. And I would anticipate that the way that the Marlins are, I think that he might be up. If, if he stays healthy, I think that he might be up within the next two years because they fast track guys. Uh, moving on to uh, in the fourth round with the 118th pick. Uh, a guy that uh, – the last two teams, though, this this young man here in, in Southern Miss, uh, I mentioned it early on in the season when they had played Southern Miss and Texas State, the two chirpiest teams in the Sunbelt Conference. But uh, Levi Wells goes out and, and gets a fourth-round draft choice, Jay. Um, just Baltimore Orioles, where do you see this? I Well, you know what? He's another guy that I'm really happy for. Um, I thought that his sophomore season, he just went out and cut people up. I, he was dominant every single time out. And then he wasn't totally healthy. And when he came back, he was, he was not last year, the incredibly dominant dude that he was the year before he was still very good and he still gave his team a chance to win. But it wasn't the same as what it was the the year before. Um, but we saw as a sophomore how good he could be. And uh, I'm glad the Orioles see what they see in him. I like this kid. I've, I've, I've liked him from the beginning. Hadn't rooted for him. But I've really liked him as a pitcher, and I still do. Danny, uh, you know, I, I think Jay said it quite a, right there with, with – uh, 
you like the kid, but you don't like, uh, you're not going to root for him because he's on the other guy's team. But Levi Wells is a guy that has, has, has pitched well, has been dominant on a dominant team at times. Your thoughts on uh, Levi? Uh, I still think back to 22, and we're going to talk about this for years now that we know the effects of it. You had a healthy Zeke Wood and a healthy Levi Wells, one, two, for a team that won 45 games and probably should have been in position to one host or super and maybe gone to Omaha last year. Because I, I, I think that Tristan Stivers gave them the chance to do that out at Stanford, and it, it sucked that they didn't get to. But with Wood getting hurt this year and with Wells not being totally 100%, yeah, it did put some more stress on that pitching staff. But thankfully, they had guys like Tony Roby step forward. He had a really good year. I'm a big fan of Levi Wells. While Wood was the thrower, Wells was the pitcher. And he profiled as a pro last year. And I, I, I think that this is one that is going to – whether he makes it as an Oriole or whether he ends up being a trade piece, I, I'm a big fan of Levi Wells, for sure. Absolutely. The only thing I will say, uh, and this has to do with his his uh, picture that we're looking at right now, is they've got those ugly yellow mustard uniforms, which I think are the, one of the most disgusting. I, I actually like their gold uniforms. Well, good the, for you, because... The, because, the, look, if you look at the guy next to him, now that's mustard color, okay? But... but the, no, I, I'm I'm good. I'm All right, good with the gold. So ones. he he doesn't have the 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 yellow mustard. He has the honey mustard color uniform. No, when, when more like a Goldens. Okay, more like a Goldens or a oh great I can't believe we're, we're debating this right now. I can't believe that we're debating how. But they've got a beautiful pinstripe uniform the, that they could have picked. Do you have the great poupon? Oh my God, Danny, help a brother out here. All right, moving on uh, to the still in the fourth round. Tanner Hall and uh, Jay, this is this is a kid that's from Louisiana that uh, all Louisiana teams uh, let go to uh, Southern Miss, and good for him becoming the the dude at Southern Miss. Uh, but your thoughts on Tanner Hall? He's a dude. Uh, he's he's a dude. You know, he is the guy in our league this year that I said. My God, Tony would have loved to have coached this kid. Um, you know, he he was the Sun Belt Conference version of Greg Maddox. Uh, he stays around the plate. He doesn't throw anything straight. He doesn't throw terribly hard. Everything moves. You go get yourself out. He's going to go ahead, bite the corners, and he's just going to go out and do you because he can. All right? He He's a dude, and um, you know I I'm going to be interested to see how he progresses. You know, with this pitching style as the competition gets better. But my goodness, um, what a hell of a college pitcher! Danny, your thoughts on Tanner Hall as we look at one of the best, uh, uh, in my opinion, not not uniform. I mean, any uniform that has pinstripes on it, I think, is a beautiful uniform. So we'll just go with that right here. Your thoughts on Tanner Hall, though? We're not talking about the uniform. Uh, best changeup I've ever seen. Really? That best changeup I've ever seen. Live. He threw it to anybody, righty, lefty, any count. And he is the guy that you give the ball to, and you don't think twice about it. He was 
maybe one of the very, very few guys anywhere where Scott Barry, now Christian Ostrander, but you say the ball is going to you. We've got your back. And the fact that he went nine innings in the postseason and didn't get a win out of it is pretty sickening. I know. And they didn't even win it again. But just just to he put that program on his shoulders to work the way that he did. And in our case, the Sunbud only got him for a year because he was a conference USA guy. And I know how good Southern Miss was the year before. He was the number three for yeah. a good time last year at Southern Miss. The number three guy because Waldrop was there before Waldrop transfers to Florida. And then they lost their number two guy as well, who also transferred out. But for him to step into that number one and pitch like a number one when everybody knew that he was a number one, you knew the changeup was coming. You still weren't hitting the changeup. That that's the mark of, like Jay said, that's the mark of a dude. Uh, Tanner Hall was in fact the game three starter, uh, because we did play Southern Miss that year in a three game series at Russo Park non conference. Right. right. And uh, and he was the he was the Sunday starter. You're right. It. Uh, <laughs> Just no, to think he's... that Christian Waldrop was pitching for Southern Miss last year. Now he's he, and he was in a College World Series championship. Now it's just it's yep. crazy. But we'll get there's not that much separation between the leagues. There really isn't for people that no. want to make the to make the assertion that nobody's going to touch the SEC. Well, maybe it's not that far apart. Yeah, especially if they're going out and taking your players. That tells you everything you need to know about the guys that you recruited. But we're not going to go there today. Moving on, our final. Uh, young man of the night and not by not by any means the least uh, but Kansas City we talked about it earlier likes to take guys that are strong up the middle I do believe everything that there is Carson Rockefeller will be uh, was taking as a center fielder not as a first baseman because of the way Kansas City likes to play and likes to draft Jay um uh, I'm going to save you for last this time since he's a Cajun guy. But, Danny, your your thoughts on Carson and uh, and what he's done. Second round, the 66 pick overall. Uh, the only There's only a few guys that were picked before Carson uh, in Cajun history there. Uh, and only the only one that has made it that was uh, is right behind. I think Ron Guidry was the 67th pick. Uh, in the MLB draft. So pretty good company there. One, the Royals have valued speed offensively just as much as anybody in the league. And well, he fits that bill. But I I remember watching him the year before, because again, Georgia Southern and the Cajuns did not play this year. He was somebody where you might get him out, but you still sit there thinking, how are you going to get this guy out? There was contact. There was power. If the ball went in play, there was speed to beat out anything that was hit along the infield. If it was a gap, there was always threat of a triple. He could hit the ball over the fence. He was somebody that you always had to be cognizant of, and it didn't matter where he was hitting in the order because he could change a game by the way that he could run and defensively. I mean, Jay, I remember talking to you about his abilities, whether it was in center field or at first base. He could have been one of the best at either position because of how good the glove was. And to see an organization value him like this, not just for the Cajuns, but for the standpoint of the league to go here, you'll take that. 
Jay, uh, one thing about uh, uh, Cajun fans probably won't remember this. Carson had not signed with us originally. He had signed with Coach Deggs. Well, he had, committed, he had committed to Coach Deggs. I'm sorry, he had committed to Coach Deggs. And when Coach Deggs took the job here, he opened up his recruitment, and Coach Deggs was one of the first ones to reach out for him and brought Carson here. But your thoughts on, on Carson overall? Well, first of all, let me, let me talk about his draft position. All right. Um, the combine that he went to helped him tremendously. Um, I think most folks thought he was going to be fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, but after the combine, I read him, I read, I saw a mock draft and they had him going in this, in the uh, compensatory round, the competitive balance round 70 to Atlanta. And I said, okay, the man's stock has gone up. So when he went in the second round, I wasn't shocked. You think, think about this. Okay. Cajuns have had some great center fielders. They've had Ramos, and they've had Feehan, and they've had Coker, and they've had Rockefeller. This year, I thought Carson Rockefeller was as good as any center fielder we have ever had this year. With the way he was able to run balls down, the way he was able to get back on balls, he saved the Cajuns a ton of runs this year defensively. Now, he didn't hit as many home runs. He wasn't totally healthy. But the swings there and 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 the and the the scouts knew that the swing was there from the year before. He um he's a kid that could have portaled out, could have gone elsewhere, could have gone to a P5 school, all that good stuff. He wanted to be a raging Cajun. He committed to being a raging Cajun. He um amazingly was neither first nor second team Sunbelt conference, but he's the first, but he's the first player from the Sunbelt taken in the MLB draft. I I think he's, I think he's got all the tools, you know, he can, he can cover ground. He's got great speed. He can hit, he can hit with power. Um, he's, he's got a shot. The Cajuns have never had a second round pick make it to the big leagues. And uh, he, he, I think he has a serious chance to be the first. I agree. And I watched the combine that was on MLB Network, and I never got to see him. And I was like, okay. But like you, read the articles when it popped up in my Google search uh, uh, that came up with about his, his, his numbers of the combine. And, but it, it's funny how to see them drool over these guys that are sure. just out of the other. And you're going like, they're not a ball player, though. Also, you think it's not just going out there and playing and hitting and stuff. There are a lot of individual interviews. Yeah. And from what one of the folks that I talked to said that he was incredibly impressive in the interviews because, like, you know, so, ma so many of the, of the Cajuns, he comes from a great family. Um, he, he was, he was a leader on this, on this team. And I just think that um, he got helped a lot in every facet of the combine and that got him 
from maybe a fourth or fifth round pick up to the uh, up to the second round. Yeah, it, it, it's been fun to watch this young man play and all of them play, honestly, because I, I know and I'm not I, I'm going to speak for y'all, but I'm not speaking for y'all in the sense of you guys love baseball the way I do, if not more. And it's fun to watch good baseball. And this 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 was a fun baseball season, sometimes frustrating for our individual teams. But we got to see some really good baseball this year. Um, your thoughts on on the season, just in general, not not a whole lot, Danny. I mean, because we've probably been very long with this one. But I th- I I thought this is the pinnacle. This may be the pinnacle. I shouldn't say that. Hopefully, it's not the pinnacle that we can talk about some belt baseball in the future. But your thoughts on on the season and the guys that have been drafted this year. To have 20 guys from a G5 league drafted in 20 rounds, that kind of tells you that this isn't a G5 league. I, I would absolutely, without much thought, put the Sun Belt ahead of the Big Ten, and you could make some arguments that maybe you're as high as number four in the packing order of FBS baseball leagues. But the fact that we're kind of reaching the tail end of how the COVID waiver period is working, we've still got some older guys that are opting for that fifth and sometimes beyond that to finish up their careers, whether they want to get drafted or not. The older guy, I mean, we could talk about the old man's strength or whatever. I don't think it's any secret why home runs are up because guys are a little bit stronger. They've got that extra year of development. Bodies are still growing. Bodies are still maturing. But even with pitchers throwing harder, you're still seeing that. And it's a situation where strikeouts may be up, but it also feels like defense has gotten a little bit better in this league. And I'd have to really go into the numbers to see if that's true. But to me, it feels like collectively the defense in this league got better this year. I can't. Definitely, definitively tell you that as a fact, but I can tell you this is the highest fielding percentage that the Cajuns have, have had. And 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 I will I will say that there were not too many teams that we played in conference play that I would say, okay, this team's just really not very good defensively. I there weren't there weren't many of those. Surprisingly, one of them was Troy, which is very unusual. That, that still blew my mind a little bit. And um, you know. I I look at this league and you had four teams that made it into postseason play this year. There's no reason to believe that those four teams won't consistently challenge for a postseason berth. And then you've got the teams that didn't go to postseason this year, specifically South Alabama. Georgia Southern, Old Dominion, who have been in NCAA regionals recently. And hosted. And that's then, that's and, then and, and then you add to that a JMU program that turned out to be better than we thought they were going to be. Yeah. So you have those teams, and then you've got App State, who has gotten better. You know, Georgia State, who we didn't talk at all about this evening has gotten better under um, their new head coach. 
And so now you're only talking about Arkansas State, ULM, and Marshall. That are teams that, you know, are 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 behind and are going to have to work to get better. But those other 11 teams, you better be ready to play when you play them uh, because they've got tradition, a tradition of success. They know how to win. And uh, two of the programs, App State and Georgia State, are trying to join that party. But you've got, you've got, what, eight, nine teams every year in this league that have some baseball tradition. And, and, and even, even with the ULM, they've sunk money into the program. They're trying. They're showing the effort. I know it didn't bear fruit this year, but they they added the turf. They expanded the weight room. With Arkansas State, they, they've spent a little bit of money, maybe not a lot of money. I thought getting Allen Dunn as the pitching coach this year was going to help them out a lot more. It did not. And with Marshall, they're opening a new ballpark next year. And they got money, and with Beals as head coach, it might take another year after that, but that's a team that's going to be competitive a lot more quickly than people realize. When your your baseball schedule comes out every year, it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, who do we play? And more importantly, who do we miss this year? Uh, (laughs) You know, this year the Cajuns are going to miss uh, the two Georgia schools. They're going to miss James Madison. We're going to Georgia. I'm sorry. We're going to Georgia Southern. We're missing Georgia state. We're missing app state. We're missing, um, James Madison. Um, so we'll see, you know, but, but you're playing. There's a fourth team we're missing and just went right over my, um, but we're playing Georgia Southern. We're playing coastal Carolina and we're playing old dominion from, uh, from, you know, what we call the East. Uh, and we're playing coastal. So um, the competition is going to be there every single year. Guys, let's wrap this up. Uh, and I'm trying to figure out hmm, how I want to. We, we've talked a lot of baseball tonight, which I think is great for July 20th. It's good for January 15th. I mean, I look, I, I, I mean, I'll sit and talk baseball anytime. Uh, there, there's a lot to look forward to. And I think to me, the last 10 years, even the teams coming in with Georgia state, Georgia Southern app state, Marshall coastal, all of those teams coming in, I think has only made the league stronger. And I know we all know football drives the bus. But for three guys like us to sit here, this is fun, man. Um, final thoughts, Danny, on the draft. Any hits or misses? Someone, I'll tell you what, instead of going with miss, uh, uh, with what's going on that we've already talked about, anybody you thought that would have gotten drafted that did not? Uh, or uh, even a free agent contract. I'll I'll just speak from Georgia Southern because that that's a lot of guys to have to process. Yeah. But I was thinking that coming into the year, Ben Johnson was looked at as a prospect because of how well he did in the Cape that summer. He added the split, and at times this year he looked real good. He was very good in the tournament game despite the loss to Georgia State. I thought that somebody might take a chance on him. 
I thought that Jared Brown may get onto some boards. I thought he was going to have a breakout season. He did. He almost had 70 RBIs. Eagle third baseman hasn't done that in 15 years. A lot of people talked to me and said, where do you think Cheryl's going to get drafted? As I thought he might get a chance. I didn't know that he would get drafted just because there's not a whole lot of power, even though he affects the game in just about every other way. And maybe he gets a chance somewhere. I'm not – Ben's probably the one I'm most surprised about because I thought somebody maybe because he was on a lot of boards coming into the season. And even though he went from the rotation to the back end of the bullpen, by the time that things were all said and done, maybe that's why people decided to lay off and they wanted to get one more year's look at him. But just to have 20 guys drafted from a group of five league, I know I said it earlier, but that's, that's crazy to me. That's amazing. Jay, your your uh, biggest surprise uh, not getting that you know of. Well, you know, I think once you become a senior, um, your chances of getting drafted go down unless it's a situation where you've got a team that wants to take your slot money and give it to somebody else so they'll use you as a senior draft. Other than that, it's hard as a senior to to get drafted. Um. You know, obviously the name Heath Hood comes to mind. Um, I thought, you know, I thought he might be a senior draft. I was sure he was going to sign a free agent contract somewhere. Uh, And that has not happened uh, as of right now. But uh, that was probably the biggest surprise to me. uh, Only because we got to see Heath Hood every day. And he's a hell of a ball player. It's funny you bring that up because I, I wasn't surprised as much that he didn't get drafted, except for the fact that you had mentioned that he might, you know, go in the 15th, 16th round and they would take his money and put it somewhere else. But at the same time, I really thought he would sign a free agent uh, contract because I thought day in and day out, he did everything he needed to do. You know, 350 plus batting average defensively was there uh you know he had 36 stolen bases you know 36 yeah just everything you talked about he was the guy that you thought was going to get a chance to play a lot of times when you're talking about corner outfielders which is which are looked at differently yeah from a carson rockford as a center fielder if you're going to be a corner outfielder, you better project to hit 25 or 30 bombs. But let me ask but, you this. I'm left. Yeah. But let me ask you this. So don't you think he could have played center field? At a professional level? I'm not sure. Well, I'm just talking about on this team. If you don't have oh, no, on team. this team, but but this this, yeah. this team's not the major leagues. I, I, I don't but, know. But the point being is if he doesn't get an opportunity to, to show. Okay, but he he doesn't. He doesn't project as yeah. a center fielder. He projects as a corner outfielder, and I'm not sure he had enough power okay. to go ahead and get the, the that much attention from Major League Baseball. Well, I will tell you this, Heath, if you're listening to this or anybody that knows Heath, congratulations on getting engaged recently. Uh, congratulations on being named all Sunbelt. Yes. And thank you for being a Cajun. There you go. So – uh guys thank you so much i know this probably took longer than you or i or all of us expected but i thought it was good conversation and i appreciate your time tonight danny any last words of wisdom 
before we sign off. We're still waiting for his first words of wisdom. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's obvious that we can't give Jay bourbon early in the show. Yeah, this has been a nice chill summer after the year that I think a lot of us had, but knowing that Sunbelt football media days are right around the corner and then camp for a lot of people start the very next week. We got our downtime, but especially talking about people that are in the realm that Jay and I are, we're about to make our hay and that, that makes this a pretty exciting time of the year. Jay, final thoughts. Yeah. I, w- I was just talking to somebody today about all of our colleagues that we're going to get to, to see uh, yeah. next week. And, and almost all of them are going to be there. And, and that's kind of, you know, we have a, look, we, we have a group text that we, you know, use uh, to communicate at times. Um, but w- once, once the sports season starts, we don't see everybody every year. And so this opportunity to get together uh, in New Orleans for media days We'll get a chance to all visit a little bit, uh, harass each other and, you know, do the things that colleagues do. But um, we're looking forward to that. But for for Danny and I, I think that this marks the beginning of, OK, it's time to go to work. Absolutely, guys. Uh, appreciate everything. Danny, uh, safe travels to New Orleans. Uh, afterwards, enjoy your your short vacation time there. Very um, short, very short. We'll get together in a couple of weeks and talk bourbon before the football season starts. Looking forward to it. Uh, Jay, same to you. You're not flying, but safe travels. Thanks. And sometimes, uh, actually not sometimes, a car is more dangerous than a flight. So uh, going to Kansas City. And he's going to Kansas City Kansas on vacation. City, here I come. I thought, the, yeah. I thought the song was, oh, okay. I thought it was Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a no. No. All right. No, it's Kansas City, although it should be. It's oh, uh, Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And besides the fact that it's, right now it's Cincinnati because we're winning. Oh, calm down. <laughs> All right, guys, you've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking baseball, Sunbelt Conference baseball in the Major League Draft. Thank you to Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Eagles and Jay Walker of the Raging Cajuns. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.